0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy and Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at a high-scoring final weekend of regular season in the Premiership, as well as the final eight in the URC. Plus, we'll be chatting to Harlequins and South African centre Andre Esterhazy. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. How was your Jubilee weekend, lads? Andy Rowe,
3: I didn't see much of the Jubilee. On social media, I saw a bit. Now, I need the help of you tax-paying decent people, really, because I don't have BBC or ITV. So What? I know, I know. I, I do, during the internationals, I stream it on my iPad, then I turn it off. What's the crack, right, with BBC, which the Jubilee was obviously on, and I watched a bit on Sky News as well, do you need a TV license to watch BBC? Yes. What if you don't? What if you don't have BBC, which I don't?
0: If you have a TV, you're supposed to have a TV license to have BBC, but I don't agree with playing the, the license fee, but you have to pay it to basically have a TV and be able to watch TV. So you're probably inviting the, um, the bailiffs to come around your house and ask you, where's your TV license? By saying that on the most listened to rugby podcast in the world, James.
3: Deny, deny, prove it. <laughs> So no, I didn't watch it, no. So I tried to get it on YouTube, but again, because obviously BBC have the rights, I couldn't get it on there either. So just did my good life and went on social media and watched it. It looked very good. Uh, That's about it, really. It was good to see the Queen doing her thing. 70 years, my goodness me. But anyway, I'm not a royalist by any means, but I did enjoy it at the weekend and watching with everything that's happened over the last few years, everyone come together. And all the concerts and the bands. I'm just gutted, Andrew, that we didn't get a bus for the 2000 for, the, for this podcast for 2000 and whenever it was 15 onwards. Where the hell is our Wenger bus? <laughs> Where is it?
0: I don't know, Jim. I don't know. I enjoyed watching it, actually. Obviously, Jim says he's not a royalist. I am a massive fan of the royal family. What uh, the Queen, Her Majesty, has done for our country in leadership it has been phenomenal for 70 years. She's 96 years of age. I mean. What on innings? 70 years of those ninety-six, she's been our queen. Uh, just phenomenal. So I loved it, and it's great to see them all packed with people and union jacks. And Andy Ray, you must have been a tourist being a kiwi. You must have gone down there at some Mate, point. I
1: loved it. I loved it. I went down to the Deck Chair. <laughs> I went down to the parade on Thursday, and we we got there at about 9 a.m. and it was absolutely ramoed all along St. James's Park down the Mall. And we watch everyone go past. We watch the horses go past. We watch the carriages go past with all the royals. And everyone's waiting for the queen. On the way down to the trooping, we don't see the queen. We're like, Where? Everyone's waiting. She's not there. And then on the way back, we're reading in the thing in the in the order of events that she's going to be leading the parade back to Buckingham Palace. So we're thinking, oh yeah, we're definitely going to see her. All the royals go past. Everyone goes past. We don't see the queen. Where is she? She couldn't go in a carriage, so they put her in a tinted-out car. So she did drive past us, but she had tinted-out windows. So everyone that was there to see the Queen didn't even get to see her, which was a bit of a shame. Did you have your hat on with the
3: beer cups either side? You
1: know I did, Jim. You know I did.
3: I know you did. Oh, my goodness me. Well, I'm glad she didn't see you, because I've heard she's a fan of the rugby pod. Maybe not as much now, because her... I say her grandson, however you look at Tyndall in that. He, he does obviously another podcast as well, and she might be listening to his. But if she wants real rugby insight, she's listening to ours. <laughs> and she obviously does, because Princess Anne is a patron of Scottish rugby. So effectively, all the Royals listen to this. So they would have been looking out for you, Andy Rowe. So I'm <laughs> glad they didn't see you. I'm glad they didn't see you with that stupid out of yours.
1: <laughs> Otherwise, a good weekend, lads? Yeah, not
0: bad. Not bad. A couple of days out with the family, and then um, a day with my extended family in Leicester in, with Jim Hamilton.
3: I was there, went down to see my family in the Midlands at the weekend and thought, why not go and see a game of Ruggers? A high-scoring, unbelievably high-stakes match. It was absolute turd. But the company <laughs> was good. The company was good. It was good being back in Leicester. It's one of them things, and I said to Goody when we were there, actually, nostalgia. Now, you get that throughout your life, whether or not it's listening to music or walks down memory lane. There's history in Leicester, right, with myself. I don't mean as in, like, championship history. Like, there's there's history when I go back to Leicester. I used to tear up the place, good and bad. And I was on the way down. I spoke to Goody on the phone on the, way, on the way down. I said, I'm looking forward to being there. We were reminiscing through the old stories, which is not for publishing. It might come out in a book one day if at the end of life. And I'm happy to go out on my sword. But history is all I'm saying. But also... Apart from the stadiums got bigger and the buildings around have got bigger, nothing's changed apart from people ageing. The same people are there, the same kind of energy. Last time I was there, well, I say last time I was there, I mean, it was three years ago, Leicester weren't that good. But before that, when I was there, Leicester were top of the league. They were winning things back in the day. And it just felt like I was home. So it was good to go back, seeing Andrew Goode in fine fettle just reeling off all the riffs, weren't he? He's just the corporate box host king. Is that a thing, Andrew? Do you want to be labelled as that or not?
0: Well, it's the Andy suite in Leicester now, pretty much, isn't it? But yeah, listen, it was It's good to have you there. My favourite bit of reminiscing with Jim, talking in the car on the way to Leicester. Jim was obviously coming down from Edinburgh. I was driving up from Buckinghamshire, where I live. And... We were chatting about the days of life. And when I say life, I mean the nightclub life.
3: Andrew, keep it clean, keep it PC. <laughs>
0: it's the one story that you probably can tell. We're reminiscent about the days of being in the toilets, having a pish. And there'd be either Jim or Davey Pish, which is Davey Young, Brett Deacon, whoever it was. Michael Holford, any of the young lads would grab the mop from the toilets that's been mopped up the sick, the piss, in its <laughs> bucket... <laughs> And you'd be in the toilets and Jim or someone would just be mopping people. They'd be whacking them in the face with this mop.
3: I wouldn't say whacking, I would say massaging, Andrew. (laughs) So you basically,
0: and I was laughing my head off thinking about it and reminiscing, boys just getting mopped in the face with the bucket and the mop that had been cleaning the toilets, cleaning the sick up off the floor. And you just get that in your face while you're having a piss. I mean... What times, they And then you go out on the dance floor and you're absolutely buzzing. I remember once someone, well, I was going to name, I can't name him. His name's Jordan. I can't remember what his surname is. Might be Murphy. He took the mop out on the dance floor. And was trying to mop people on the dance floor in life. And I'm
3: just, can you imagine getting hit with a mop like that. Immune system, though, absolutely bulletproof. <laughs> Back then, I was never ill. And you know what? You knew it was coming as well because it went from just being mopped and you were absolutely raging. It was actually Davey Young, PhD, Pesed Dave. It was him who basically started it to the point where you could hear a parade following you into the toilet with a, <laughs> you mop. You mop, you mop, you mop, you mop, you mop, you mop. I mean, if you need a shit, don't. Like, if you sat down, not only did the mop come in, the bucket came in as well. (laughs) So...
1: (laughs)
0: Who has a shit in a nightclub anyway?
3: Well, they had this pizza, which was behind the obviously the pizza bit that we used to rob as well. And they obviously knew we were coming because I reckon it was three weeks old. So if you've had that ten minutes later, tell the shits that. So it's a double whammy. So you didn't know whether to eat, you didn't know whether to shit. And if you'd either way, if you walked into the establishment of the men's toilets, you were getting you mopped. That's all I know.
1: Well, let's start talking about some rugby then. We'll start with off the field stuff, the E P C R. Have you guys heard about this? They've confirmed that the South African sides will definitely compete in the Champions and Challenge Cups next season. What do you guys make of this?
0: I think it's brilliant, especially as an EPCR ambassador. Listen, I, I did a column on it for Rugby Pass. It's, for me, the entry of the five South African teams. Obviously, the, the one contentious thing was putting the fifth South African team in the Cheaters who aren't in the URC, but they need an extra team from somewhere in the Challenge Cup. So, to be fair, the teams that are in there, they're all there on merit. Right, you look at that URC and we'll get into the depths of rugby later on. Yeah, we've now got the semi-finals. There's two South African teams in the semi-finals. There was three South African teams in the top eight of the URC. So, you know, they're completely there on merit. It's going to increase the standard of the competition. You know, obviously I play for the Sharks, so hopefully it'll be more work for me because the Sharks are in it. But I think, listen, it's... Who wouldn't want to go to South Africa to play rugby in any guise, whether it's in the European Champions Cup, whether it's in the European Challenge Cup, whether it's in the URC... South Africa is a mecca of rugby, and anyone that's been there, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, it's a a wonderful country, and yes, you can't go every game, you can't go every away game or whatever, because it is costly, but the standard of it, you look at the URC this year with all the internationals playing it now, and the quality of the the teams, I think it will only improve the Heineken Champions Cup, I think it's a brilliant thing moving forward.
3: Yeah, I agree, Andrew, as you know, and I'm a traditionalist, I've mentioned that many times, I love the heineken champions cup in the format that it's in already but i also love the south african teams and i'll start with a worry first a concern but something that i think is going to be inevitable and people will disagree and it's one of those things that's spoken about it seems like a precursor to south africa coming into the six nations now that's a story for another time but i think in terms of the champions cup does it need freshening up i don't think so but it makes absolute sense with the South African teams playing in the URC, not just playing, but actually, well, you saw the results at the weekend, like in line to potentially win it. So it makes sense from that standpoint. I like the Challenge Cup. I think that that's got better. Obviously, we saw Leon win it the other week. And to see the Cheaters come into that, who it's been a tough ride for them over recent years financially, and them not making it into the URC, so that them and the Lions go into the Challenge Cup. I think for the growth of the game and the growth and the involvement of the South African franchises. And you, know, you only need to look, really, at the fans in the stadium. I know there's a number of reasons why there's not many. And I'm not saying it was a dying breed. What I'm trying to say is a lot of the best South African players were coming over to Europe to play. Now, you wonder now, is best is going back to Natal Sharks from Toulon, you wonder now whether that's still going to be the case. Or the fact that they are now in the URC, that now they get to play in a competition which they all want to play in, Like You you listen to some of them speak, like Dwayne Vermeulen's spoken. I've heard Ebenezer Beth mention it before. Cheslin Colby, when he's spoken about the, the Champions Cup. Everyone and anyone who's played in it talks about how good it is. But now these South African teams have got an opportunity to do that and raise the profile, raise the money, raise the investment, the commercial element to it. And like Goody said, from a fan standpoint, let's not go based on how much flights are now. Let's hope that by the time it comes around that they could be slightly cheaper, and fuel prices are slightly lower because, I mean, I was looking at going Spain in the summer with the kids and it's costing about three and a half grand. So we're going to go to Coventry instead. Absolutely <laughs> lovely. I mean, lovely. I mean, uh, cultured, cultured. Mate, you can swim in the canal.
0: That's all you need to do. Well,
1: um, You say that I can with my immune system, but the kids ain't been mopped. So I ain't putting them in there. You mentioned the financials of it. Do you think this is going to see more investment from private ownerships that going into South African rugby because they're more visible in Europe now than what they would have been back in Super Rugby, especially? Well, we've already seen with Natal Sharks,
3: if you think about the guy who owns that, Marco Masotti, who has basically brought Ebenet Beth back because his mum wanted him to bring him back to the club, then yes, potentially. I don't know. Goody knows a little bit more commercially around the game. It's something that I think we all, especially in the media, need to take heed of heed of and be able to deliver it to the masses but I think there needs to be a shift in the dial doesn't there and we can talk about the Prem Rugby I know we're talking about European rugby which is thriving I mean look at the scenes in La Rochelle and what that's done but in terms of the interest and the investment I think time will tell but I think definitely in terms of the growth of the game and now that the South Africans are fully embedded in the URC then absolutely, you're at the top table, aren't you? And we've said before, everyone talks about world rugby. Oh, world rugby ain't doing this, world rugby ain't doing that. Well, from what we're hearing, it's EPCR that have got a few seats at the top table in terms of decision-making, in terms of commerciality of the game. So if the South Africans are involved in that, and we know how big Sanzar have been in recent years and how big they are in terms of decision-making in the growth of rugby, then I
1: can only see it commercially as a positive step. Before we get on to the premiership, Eddie Jones named another squad for the training camp this week. What what have you guys made of it?
0: Who cares? It's an England squad for training for three. You're probably better off not being in it because you're going to get injured. But in reality, they play the Barbarians in a couple of weeks. None of the semi-final teams have obviously got any players in there. There's a few boys coming back, so it's great to see Jack Noel back fit. He played at the weekend. He's back in the squad. But, oh, mate, it's another Eddie Jones squad where... It's going to be loads of changes next week. So I don't don't really, I ain't really bothered about it, to be honest, until we start to see the proper squad go to Australia.
3: All I know is Ravo and Brownie, Alex Brown, are absolutely raging because I've heard that Freddie Clark had in his contract that if he got called up to an England squad, his salary doubles. So, yes, you're welcome. There's a positive, there's a shining light there. And I don't want to belittle that England squad because I understand, Goody, like you're right in what you're saying. Like it obviously isn't. There's still two rounds to go. In terms of the semi-final and the final and then the the big dogs will come back in but it gives you a a sense doesn't it who's there and thereabouts like bialo for example at wasps we know that he's a good player he's a powerful athlete that eddie jones wants to come and watch him freddie clark who we had on the podcast last week not that they're not a million miles away, because we know that Eddie Jones will pick players that are a million miles away, put them into the squad, get them injured, then send them home, and then never to be seen <laughs> again. But I think it's nice reward for, especially someone like Freddie Clark, you know, Gloucester at the weekend will get onto it, unbelievable against Saracens, finished fifth in the Premiership this year. It's good reward for what's been a kind of, I was going to say a breakthrough season for them, but a top season for them and someone like Freddie Clark and Bialo who's
1: played more at Wasps just to name two. Well, we'll talk about Gloucester in a minute but first of all, they had to hope that Northampton put their boots on the wrong way and they didn't. They pumped Newcastle, didn't they?
0: They did, yeah, they did. But the first 25 minutes or whatever it was, half an hour, it was basically a team run for Northampton and then the game to half-time, Dino's got his old spots out again, I reckon and it was Dino's last game. I think Saints at half-time took their boots off and put the flip-flops on. Because <laughs> Newcastle came back into it and it was it came a bit hairy. And people are thinking, actually, I remember I said last week around Wolves were beating Leicester and Villa were beating Man City in the football. I'm thinking, no. There's no way that Newcastle, after all the shit that Jim's given them on this podcast, could come back. And they started to come back, scored a couple of tries, and then they had Sean Robinson sent off and it just went tits up and it was about 60 points in the end, wasn't it? So, yeah, listen, Saints were really good at, in, in parts, they play some sparkling rugby. They're offloading game. You know, the back line they've got, the players in that back line. You know, Tommy Freeman is absolutely class. He got a hat-trick. You know, obviously, Furbanks in the back line. Hutchinson, one of my favourite players. They all look classy. They're offloading game. They're understanding of when to get a second touch. They were brilliant. But they have got moments where they switch off. So, Newcastle came back into it. But yeah, it was festival rugby, wasn't it?
3: And I think when you look at it, again, I'll say it's summer rugby. The conditions were perfect for Northampton Sam Matavesi I thought a hooker we've not spoken about him at all this year really but he's been carving it for Northampton as well unbelievable pitch as we know Franklin's Gardens everyone said it's the best pitch to play on in the Prem I'm sure around Europe as well grass people like that players like that knees like that and I think we all knew that it was going to happen I like the fact that Newcastle gave it a go I know there was a few things that happened there was Simbin should have been a red card in the game as well. I'm not going to call players out. There's no point in this part of the season. But for Northampton, it was, yeah, well, the scoreline reflects it, doesn't it? And interestingly, walking around London today, someone came up to me and was like, oh, Northampton fan, don't normally say that because we've not been that good in recent years. And he's going to the game against Leicester. And he said that all his family are coming out. And it's like, oh, you know, the Leicester-Northampton derby used to be a thing. And I was like, you know what? As superficially as, if you, as you've said that, as a Northampton fan, you're exactly right, mate. Leicester-Northampton, back in the old school days, and I say that a few years ago, in a knockout game, it's on. And I look at the top four, how it's finished, and the rivalry historically between the four teams, obviously Saracens-Harlequins will come on to, but the Leicester-Northampton. If Northampton can play how they play, and have confidence and stretch the ball. I think they've got the ability to beat Leicester, but it shows against Newcastle, if they put the flip-flops on, then they can have a number of tries scored against them. But yeah, I've been impressed with Northampton this year. Not a team
1: that we've spoken about much and uh, fully deserved to be in the semi-final. And they had to play well against Newcastle, didn't they? Because Saracens, what happened there, Jim?
0: Oh, my 50. Oh,
1: I don't even think I can make a gesture
3: about it and say, oh, they put out a second team slash third team. But they did. They did. Poor Jackson Ray.
0: That is what happens when you comply with the salary cap. When you've got to put (laughs) the shags out, when you've got to put the bin juice out. Normally, when it's Jim Hamilton getting a game, you take 50, don't you?
1: Or
3: when you've made top two already and it doesn't really matter. I mean, you, you you could package it like that. Or you play against Saracens, again, a team that hammers you in the Challenge Cup and embarrassed you a little bit. And I think that's what we saw. Gloucester obviously would have had one eye on Northampton, Newcastle, knowing that it would have been a foregone conclusion. Everyone would have thought the same as us. They knew they obviously had to put Saracens to bed, and that's exactly what they did. And I went back and watched that game. I thought Gloucester would win. So when the team got announced and I saw Gloucester's team and I saw Saracens' team, but I didn't think in the manner in which they did. And let's say it straight, they got mauled to the cowsheds and back. Effectively, that is what happened.
0: Yeah, blame Swinno.
3: I don't want to call people out, but, you know, when you're too old, you're too old, isn't you? That's as simple as it is. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Swinno's been brilliant this year. Collectively, the Gloucester pack dominated Saracens up front, and then the rest kind of followed, and we can talk about Adam Hastings' wonderful offload, you know, Carreras at fullback, who I thought was excellent again. But it was a day for Gloucester, but they went back to what they've been known for, especially at the front end of the season, where they were in the top four for the majority of it, right through to the DNA of George Skivington, and that is more into the cow sheds and back, and they were I thought they were excellent.
0: I'll tell you one thing about Swinnow though. I have heard on the grapevine, he's dyed his beard ginger because he keeps getting recognised as Jim Hamilton. People go up to him, Jim, you're legend. He's like, no, no, it's Tim Swinson here. So he's dyed his beard ginger, very ginger as well, so that
3: he doesn't look like you anymore, Jim. He wears boat shoes. Now, That just look down. If someone's <laughs> wearing a pair of edgy horse riding boots who looks like they should be in a Western movie. That's me. That's me. If someone looks like they're sailing boats around the Isle of Man and the Isle of Sky, that's Swinno. So, I don't know. It's one of them, isn't it, for Saracens? That is a snapshot, really, of where they've been a little bit this season, without being too harsh. And when... We were winning stuff back in the day when you mentioned the salary cap or when we had a bigger squad. We still had performances like that. We mentioned the game against Wasps a couple of times. Had 50 points put on us at the Rico. Had 60 points put on us when it was Allianz Park back then. And it's a bit of an awakener, isn't it, for Saracens? Because it's not just well beaten. They were hammered.
0: Well, it was. And they had the right to do it, right? And I said it last year, last season. I did the sale Harlequins game on BT at the back end of last season. And Sale were pushing to try and make top four. Quinns had already made top four. And Quinns put a second team out. So Sale would it come And everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, you're disrespecting the competition. Every team's got the right to pick whatever team they want. Now, obviously, Saracens have played games recently, more games recently than some of the others, because they obviously played down in Toulon in the Challenge Cup semi-final. So they feel... And felt that they could rest players and give some of the players opportunities. But they'll be banging for this weekend. They're playing Quins. You know, there's a lot of hatred there between the two teams. So they had every right to pick who they wanted. But in doing so, they took 50. 50- uh.
1: Goody, before you get too confident, Wasps couldn't make the uh, final Champions Cup spot, could they?
0: Mate, no biggie. Leicester finished top of the league. on am Leicester
3: Tigers. I'm wasp. Are you still wasp or not? Yes or no? I'm uh, both, mate. You were more Was last year. No, no. This year, this, which season are we talking about? As in last last season. So like, as in not the season where Leicester finished top last season.
0: Jim, I live in the present, mate.
3: Andrew, you've mentioned salary cap twenty five times this year, so you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I oh, listen, you know,
0: no one's beaten Leicester at Mattioli Woods welford Road this year, have they? In the Premiership, so uh, wasp. Going there is always going to be a tough task. Wasps, where they lost the the top eight spot was when they were about 30 points up against London Irish a few weeks back and London Irish came back and drew the game. That's why they lost the three-point differential. So you look at the two teams, I couldn't see them going to Welford Road and winning. And uh, obviously myself and Jim were there. I was there with my uh, Leicester Tigers shirt on hosting the corporate and, you know, the best team won.
1: Worcester and Bath, worth a conversation? Yeah, I think it is. Ah, bad a bath.
0: <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like we said, how good would the Premiership last round have been had there been relegation? Because that game yeah. had it was 13th against 12th, everything on it. Obviously, Newcastle, who were in that mix as well, they were away at Northampton. It would have been unbelievable. Are
1: they bringing it back at all or not?
0: Uh, it'll be back in some guys in a year's time, hopefully, next year or the year after. But again, it's all relevant to other teams. And we need to go back. Personally, massive advocate for a 12 team league. They wanted to try and make it 14 and then talk about splitting it to two pools of seven and all this stuff. It becomes, To me, that becomes way too convoluted. It needs to go back, I think, personally, to 12 teams. There needs to be investment in the championship and there needs to be a jeopardy of, of a proper relegation. The problem is, once you've got all 13 teams in the league, all the owners have to agree to what happens next and you're never going to get all, all the owners agreeing to one team being relegated, I don't think, because they're protecting their own assets. Mm. And Premiership Rugby have said that relegation will come back in one form or another be it a playoff game initially to then maybe a one up one down but they wanted 14 teams in the premiership Ealing weren't allowed up because their ground wasn't good enough yet Bath finished bottom and if Bath got relegated technically their ground wouldn't be good enough to come back up so yeah, very convoluted.
1: Well, was defence optional at Sandy Park. Quinns lost 47-38 at Exeter. They already knew they were safely through in third spot, didn't they? Exactly that.
3: It's a hard weekend to talk about rugby because most of it was done effectively and we knew that Northampton were going to win. So when we talk about the rugby this weekend, it, it was a bit of a dead rubber, in all honesty. I know that the top eight, and credit to London Irish for making it into the top eight and getting Champions Cup rugby, that was really the only talking point and who was going to finish bottom because we knew that the top 3 was going to look how it looked so Exeter if you evaluate their season it's been a tough one for them again we don't want to go around the houses on it but yeah they've got to be better i think i think they expect better i think the fans expect better and it'd be interesting to see where they go in terms of recruitment having lost a couple of big names obviously Oflatis off to sale uh, Johnny Hills off to sale it's uh an interesting one extra at the minute, because they've been so good, so dominant, there or thereabouts, and it's weird to see them in seventh place this season.
0: Defence was optional, Andy Ray, you're quite right. All I'm going to say is Marcus Smith, when he sets up Lewis Liners try, what a step. Just the ability on the kid, i wax lyrical about him on here, he's brilliant. And it would be really interesting to see what happens now in the summer. The way you talk about the Australia test, I know Manu Tuolang out the tour, so you've got the whole conundrum around Farrell and Smith, two players at 10, one at 12, maybe. Slade's not in there as well. He's had a shoulder operation. So yeah, Marcus Smith and, you know, they they chose to pick their team. They're pretty much their best team, Harlequins, to give them game time because they haven't had too much. There's going to be a clash of styles this weekend coming up and we might get into predictions a bit later on around Saracen's playing against Queens. But you know Marcus Smith when he's got ball in hand is excited, creates one from his own try line. Defensively, they're going to be severely tested this weekend.
3: It does show you though, doesn't it? If you look at the games at the weekend, right? You look at Leicester Wasps, you look at that game Exeter Harlequins, and you look at Saracens, Gloucester. Just three games as an example. It shows you when a team or players are a little bit off for the reasons that we've just said. Almost a bit of a dead rubber. End of the season, teams are fatigued, right? Wait until this weekend, right? And you see the difference in how there and how present they are physically and mentally. And that's where the thing is for me. I don't want to harp on about it. There's too many games. I just don't think you can expect players week on week on week on week on week and turn up and get to the business end of the season where we are now. And thankfully, for a lot of
1: these teams, it is done. You've managed to rotate. It's a marathon. Not a sprint. Well, speaking of Jim's Harlequins and their semi-final with Saracens, we can have a chat now with Quins and South African centre Andre Esterhazy. And how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks to you.
3: Andre, it's class to have you on. It's been a long time coming. We didn't know whether Joe Marler said that you weren't allowed to come on or something like that. But it's been a while. It's great to have you on finally. <laughs>
4: oh, no, thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, we had a few couple of chats, uh, but yeah, finally, yeah.
3: Yeah, brilliant. Um, Andre, just we were talking about your game, and we were talking about this week's rugby as we lead into the semis and the finals. How hard was it playing this week for a team, Colin, knowing that you'd already secured that position? Was it almost like a bit of a token gesture? How hard is that compared to what's going to be next week's game, which is a knockout game?
4: Yeah, it's always going to be a tough game, Um, especially you always have have it in in the back of your mind that it is almost like a nothing game. So we had to obviously put our emphasis on getting our stuff right for preparation for next week. We've tended to start most of our matches bad and have to fight back in the second half or so. But now we said we wanted to start fast. We did. But then we then it became a one for you, one for me. Who you got there? Sorry. <laughs> sorry about
3: that. <laughs> hey, do, hey, Andre, don't be sorry, mate. The England fans are going to be well happy with this because is that an English-born child? <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, no, he's, he's born in South Africa. Oh, oh my damn. Daughter, <laughs> my, my daughter's born, yeah.
0: If he's got your DNA, we're definitely claiming him as English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be here uh,
4: long enough uh, to get, get the passport, so yeah.
0: Andre, I need to ask you about Quinns and how you start games because it's become a bit of a running joke that you can go 20, 30 points down and then you come back and win the games. Can you boys at training, you must be talking about it in the week, can you put your finger on why it's happening?
4: Uh, it, it is a good thing in a way, but it's always also a bad thing because as a squad, we know we we are never beaten. We know we can always come back, but we actually can't put our finger on it. The matches that we have started well, we're in it well as well. Um, so we actually put a massive emphasis on it just to start the game well, get into the game early. So, yeah, hopefully our prep has us going in the right direction. And hopefully we can, on, on Saturday, we, we can start fast, especially against a team against like Saracens. That's one of the toughest sides to get back into a game if, if you are behind.
3: How is that mindset, Andre? So having played in South Africa, I don't want to stereotype South Africa as a country, but you are normally a team internationally that like to build a score tactically. And now you're playing at a team where you could be 30, 40 points down and you'll score 50 or 60. It doesn't matter. So for you personally... (laughs) How, is, is that a difference in mindset? Has there been a big shift for you being in games like that where you could be 30 points down?
2: Yeah,
4: especially in South Africa, where you, if you get the penalty, you take the three. Whereas, yeah, you never, ever take the three. <laughs> <laughs> Our mindset is always to go for the try and score first. It was quite a, quite a big change and mindset change because a few times on, on the pitch I'm standing there just like the three points and then they go for the corner. Most of the times it, it has worked. So I'm glad to that. But yeah, personally my mindset has changed already. I like to go for for the corner as well now. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's fun. It's entertaining. So yeah.
0: It's obviously something that's working exceptionally well there. Whether you're 30 points up or 30 points down, that mindset doesn't change. But obviously playing with players like Marcus Smith and Caden Murley and Lewis Liner and these guys, young English guys that have got an abundance of energy are you, you you're obviously thinking at times take the three because you're absolutely knackered because you're hitting it up we've had a few of them on the podcast that call you the cheat code like you are playing ridiculously well and they appreciate it so there's obviously a lot of mutual respect there from a big south african boy coming in who you know people might think was just straight up and down to playing this fancy dan Quinn's way which works exceptionally well these young kids are good aren't they
4: Yeah, we've got, I can't remember, I think most of the backline is under the age of 23, except for me in D.C. And I'm still young, actually. I just feel old in this squad. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of young talent, especially in our team, uh, coming through at the moment. It's great for the future. Caden is probably, in my eyes, one of the best wings in England at the moment. And with Lana, March, Marcus, it's all world-class players and they're all so young. So very exciting. Yeah, and I love playing with them.
3: Yeah, it's been class watching you in the Prem, Andre. I think everyone is talking about you. Just give the listeners a, a kind of snapshot how you've ended up here. How have you gone from being in South Africa, World Cup champions, and we know a lot of the South African lads do move up to Europe, but very rarely do they come in. I know there's a a few at Leicester that are carving up as well, but none have carved up as much as yourself. How have you ended up at Arlequins?
4: Yeah, so obviously I I played the Springboks in 2018, last uh, one or two more games in 2019, just before the World Cup, and I I didn't make the cut. Uh, But just before that, I actually made the decision to, I think it's it's time for me to go, especially with the family and stuff. In South Africa, (laughs) it is sometimes tough. Yeah, you have to be realistic with crime and everything and where you want to raise your child. So, yeah, I was just thinking it's time for me to go. Um, change of scenery always does your rugby well as as well for me. Ended up at Harlequin's and got lucky that I ended up here with my best mate, uh, Steph Levis. My first season was a rocky one with <laughs> the two red cards. But, yeah, I enjoyed the rugby. Luckily, I got back to win the final and stuff. But and then this season we kicked off quite well at the moment loving loving the prem the competitiveness like the bottom team can win the top team any day of the week i think that's that's what i like about the whole competition
3: yeah and andre just with the lifestyle element i know we're segwaying slightly on here i mean Goody played at natal sharks for a little bit i lived in durban for a year I go to South Africa regularly. I think it's one of the most amazing countries in the world. But I think it's a really interesting and honest take that you've given us here, which a lot of players will back up. A lot of players go to France and they never leave France from a South African perspective. What do you mean when you say from a lifestyle element? Because you're living in London, which can be a little bit dangerous to know that you won't be living in central London. You'll be out by Richmond or somewhere lovely like that and leafy. But just give us a snapshot on what you mean by... South Africa in that sense, in bringing up a family?
4: I I live in a very quiet area, luckily. I'm not much of a city boy. It's just different. Um, I definitely didn't come for the weather, I can promise you that. But lifestyle-wise, it's, you don't have to hold your kid in the supermarket. (laughs) Small stuff like that. Small stuff. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not that small. A lot of things. um, I mean, in South Africa, you don't see people just jogging at night you can't do that stuff you can't just let your kid walk to school or or something like that it's so common and and i'm not saying it's so safe nothing can happen here but it's a lot safer yeah than in south africa but don't get me wrong I'll, i'll probably still end up back in south africa someday home is always home but, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Mate,
0: right, there should be a, a lot of runs to take back with all the, the contracts that you've got going on at the minute. And I want to talk about the house. Obviously, you must have needed a bigger house because the amount of Man the Match acc- accolades you've had, you've obviously won the RPA Players Player of the Year. Um, it just keeps happening time after time, doesn't it? Uh, have you got space in your house for all these bottles of champagne and medals and all this stuff now?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm not even a big champagne drinker, but I've got enough space for them. Uh, luckily, I, I haven't won a lot previously in my, my life so now, now I have, have a bit of space for them. I'll tell
3: you who does drink champagne and that's Rassi. We love him on here and he might have been drinking the champagne when he tweeted that video over the weekend. I'm not too sure what's happened. But has he been in contact? Andre, I know it's the million dollar question, right? I know you've answered this question about your eligibility around England and stuff and naturally people are going to be talking about you because you've played so well this season. Is there much chat with the, the South African coaches? I know that there has been, but can you give us a little bit of insight into that?
4: Yeah, obviously, obviously, um we are chatting at the moment to see how things go. Uh, they'll only announce the squad once uh, South African teams fall out of the UFC during the semi-finals weekend. So we'll see what happens. But there, there is a lot of chat at the moment. Yeah, uh, obviously, I can't say too much. And yeah, it's... It's looking
3: good. That's great. Like that's what I mean. That I think that that's yeah. what we want to hear. That's what it should be. And I think what we like about Rassi and what we like about the South African influence and what they've done is they're allowing players like yourself, like Jasper Visa, to go to Leicester and play, and they're not. Just throwing you away and saying, well, no, you're doing that so, so we're not interested, like Wales. But anyway, let's not get political on Welsh rugby. But it's that's great to hear.
0: It is really good to hear because I'm going to message Rassi and uh, basically you'll be vice-captain before you know it because we message on Twitter every now and again. I haven't, I haven't messaged him about the video that you put out, but... <laughs> Uh, I will drop a message. (laughs) Talking about playing for South Africa then, obviously I've got to bring up, uh, and I tweeted it, actually, the video, uh, a long time ago when you've uh, ran into Owen Farrelly's, hit you high, it should have been a penalty to South Africa. You're coming up against Saracens this weekend. First and foremost, the battle between Quinn's and Sarries, you must know the history and the the hatred and all that has that been spoken about this week
4: yeah I think it's it's spoken about every every game we play there <laughs> <laughs> I understand 100% the the hatred between the two clubs um, yeah it's it's very emotional game especially for I, I think for both sides so yeah it, it is going to be a big one I'm I'm actually looking forward to it a lot
0: you're going to get the chance to, to run at Owen Farrell then and and see how that comes I can't wait to watch it. I'd pay a load of cash to see that.
4: Yeah, it's it's actually the first time we play against each other again since since that game. It's a normal question. I actually run at every 10 every weekend. So if he's playing 10, then I, I probably am going to run at him.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Thank God I'm retired. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Andre, it's been confirmed that the South African team is going to play in Europe. How big will that be for some of your teams back at home?
4: Um, yeah, that, that's going to be massive for them. I just hope we we draw one of them Stormers or Durban so we can get a nice trip to South Africa on the coast. But yeah, I, I think it's it's massive for South Africa rugby at the moment to compete against the best clubs in the world. We, we all know how tough that competition is. Uh, I think that's the best way where you actually see where you are in, in the world. I, I think it's a great thing.
0: Yeah, last thing I need to ask you then, mate. You're playing with Danny Kerr. I put it out there on Twitter the other day. He is... Head and shoulders above any other scrum half in England at the minute. How do you chat to him about that? Because is he frustrated? Is he? Is it become a running joke at the club? He should be in the England squad, right?
4: Yeah, he, he should definitely be in the England squad. Um, probably the best nine I've, I've played with ever. Um, I'll say that about Marcus as well. He should definitely be in the England squad. Obviously, we can't pick the squad, uh, we can't say who to pick, but yeah, if I was the coach, uh, he'd be my first choice, 100%. He's a amazing player, he knows how to read a game, he cleans the rucks quick, and there's
3: always a little bit of magic. And he's also had a hair transplant, which Hugh Jones said that you, your good self, Andre, have gone down that <laughs> route, but not being a city boy, not being a city boy, I can't see how you've done that. Is that true or not? Uh, yes, that is true. Yes, welcome to the club great honesty <laughs> probably
4: doesn't matter if you come from the city or, or from wherever but uh but i had to uh probably gonna have to go for another one now <laughs> in a few years <previous laughs> but we'll see what
0: happens oh mate that's amazing honesty is the best policy in that because you get outed otherwise so uh, mate i've had mine done you've had yours done what legends jim your turn next
1: <laughs> mate i don't need mine doing i can't put my head down in next me next Fox. Andre thanks so much for coming on mate you've been class and uh, best of luck for this weekend
0: perfect thanks so much mate. appreciate it
1: cheers Andre thanks Andre good luck mate come on the (laughs) quince cheers
0: top lad top bloke we do like our sappers don't we the big South African boys
3: I love South Africans I I love South Africans I really do I think looking at the size of them and the power it's like just similarities is what I'm trying to say I love them
0: very (laughs) very different Jim very different back in the day maybe when you were at Edinburgh when you were an absolute wildebeest, a water buffalo, however big you were, maybe then. But no, he's a great bloke. You can hear that. And he's obviously, do you know what? He's They've always needed a 12 Harlequins, someone like that, that gives them go forward. But he's changed his complete mindset because he's playing with these unbelievable players like Caden Murley. He said it himself, Caden Murley, one of the best wingers in England right now. It's great to hear. And I, I'm licking my lips about this weekend. And he is as well. He cannot wait to run at Owen Farrell.
3: Yeah, I can't wait either. And it, I, you know what? A man who's honest about his lid and wants to come on to the millions and tell him he's had his lid done. And the honesty around the hatred. It's a big old word. Hatred. Yeah. adds to it. That's what it is. There is the hatred. I remember when, was, when I was at Saracens back in the day. But I remember they tried to shield us and were in denial around that hatred that Harlequins had in terms of, oh, we're not going to rise to this. We're not going to rise to that. you got to. Because if a player like Andre Estherhazen is talking about the hatred, that means he's he's ready. He's ready to go. He is ready to run down that 10 channel. He is looking for the crease at the back of that line out. And it is on. So it's going to be a humdinger, as both the games are going to be. And yeah, he's a delight to watch. We've spoken about him loads on here, obviously, this season. And hey, if you're struggling to go forward, bring in a Saffer. If you're then still struggling to go forward, get the checkbook out and bring in Andre Asterhazen because you're going to get over <laughs> the game line every time. Poor Faz is all I'm saying.
1: Good to hear him talk about Danny Kioto, frankly, as well, isn't it?
3: We know that, Andy wrote. Right? Every single person to a man, woman, child and animal who watches the game of rugby union in the premiership can see that Danny Kerr is one of the best nines around. Not everyone, James. Every English person, then. Okay, there you go. True.
0: Because Eddie James is Australian
3: File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbour, State Farm
1: is there. Well, to finish up with the Premiership, let's get your predictions for the Premiership semi-finals. Saracens, Quins Jim, you must be split 50-50 on this,
3: mate. Hard to call. So as a pundit, as an expert, non-expert, whoever you speak to, I think this is a really hard one to call because I think we've seen... Two sides of Saracens this season, haven't we? We saw the one side against Gloucester, but I know they have a second team out. We saw one side losing to Edinburgh at home in the Challenge Cup, if you go back that far. And then we've seen the other side to Saracens, Gloucester, a few weeks ago, where they were really good. We saw them against Toulon, where they weren't very good. So I'm struggling with Saracens this season to see where they are, whereas Quinn seemed the more complete team. They're the current champions. But I think out of all the teams that Harlequins can play, Saracens are the team that defensively, well, Andre mentioned it as well, are the team that unless you get a high lead against them, they're always in it. And defensively and physically, I'm going to say Saracens. Not that I want Saracens to win. I'm not saying that. I'm going based on stylistically and the fact that I think they're going to be raging after the weekend and they're going to be on it. And I think that it's going to be Saracens in the final and... Saracens to win by seven.
0: Yeah, it's contrasting styles, isn't it? You know, we just spoke to Andre then. He understands exactly what Saracens are about. Quinns, if they do leak tries, Saracens aren't the sort of team to let a deficit go. They put the stranglehold on you, don't they? Yeah, they'll have all their big boys back. Mara will be back and Billy and Mako. And it'll be a, a very, very different outfit to what went to Gloucester. So I don't think that'll bother them at all. I'd love to see Quinns do it though, in terms of style over substance. I just think... Quinns play quite loose, as we know, and they've got the ability to break from anywhere, but I just don't think Saracens give you that many opportunities. The physicality that they bring... Yeah, I just I think Sarri... I'm going to say Quinns.
3: But that point's a great one. I don't think Harlequins will be allowed to... Harlequins are going to have to play a different way to beat Saracens. That's the point that you're making, because Saracens' strongest part of their game, as we know, yes, it's defence, it's their kicking game, right? So with Owen Farrell and whoever they pick at nine their understanding in the kicking game, they're not going to give Harlequins the possession. They're going to get possession from line out, they're going to kick the ball out, or they're going to kick kick to compete. And it's whether or not Harlequins have a plan B if they can't score a shitload of tries. So you've gone what?
0: Harlequins by four. Come on, you, Quins. And the old grudge match,
1: Leicester-Northampton.
0: Again, it's contrasting styles, isn't it? You've got a, a team in Leicester who... Play a bit of risk averse rugby. They kick a lot. They kick exceptionally well. They play a territory game. Big, powerful forward pack. George Ford pulls the strings really well. He has got threats outside him. Obviously, Ashy on the wing can poach from anywhere. The story about Chris Ashton being an ex-Northampton player. where Do you remember he got sparkoed by Manu in the semi-final years ago? And ironically, now he's pulling on the Leicester Tigers jersey. Maybe
3: you say Sparcode. I've never seen a man take a better punch of me ever. (laughs) Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, ever
0: the fear on his face. Though it's hard to look past Leicester. They haven't lost at home all year. Saints, the form they're in, they leak a lot of tries but they can score a boatload of tries as well. Dan Bigger against George Ford at 10 is going to be really interesting in terms of game management. I think Bigger, I'm a massive fan of his. He's absolutely class. But when you look at that Saints back line, again, you've got the likes of Hutchinson, Dingwall, Proctor, Tommy Freeman, George Furbank. They won't have a crack, but I think they may just get suffocated a little bit by Leicester and how they play. It's going to be off the charts in terms of physicality. Courtney Laws will be trying to bash Jasper Visa, and vice versa. Dan Cole, my old Pebblehead, he'll be at it at scrum time. I think Saints will struggle at the set piece at scrum time. Genji will be all over it. Montoya, if he's fit, I know there's a bit of an injury doubt over him. He's been their player of the season so far. So I can only see a Leicester win, really. As much as Saints have got the attacking ability to cause a lot of damage, I can only really see a Leicester win by 10 points.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I want to see Northampton give it a go. It's one of them where you want to see them Play the Northampton way. Go there and play your game, which is wide, wide, which is offloads, which is little kicks through. Dan Bigger kicks the balls in the air. Go for the high ball yourself. Fuck making the tackle on the floor. Go for it yourself. <laughs> I want to see them throw caution to the wind. And then that way, they've left no stone unturned. When Leicester beat them at Welford Road the other week and they absolutely hammered them, they dominated them physically. Like, obviously, that can't happen. It's a one off game. It's great to see Eastmid's derby, but I just think Leicester, top of the log this year. The one game for them will be if they come up against Saracens in my opinion in the final because they're stylistically, because of the Borthwick, Wigglesworth influence, very similar. But anyway, it's not about Leicester-Saracens, it's about the East Midlands derby and I just think Leicester, six points.
1: Well the winners of those semi-finals will face each other in the Premiership final at Twickenham on Saturday the 18th of June. And this year we're all looking forward to having a full stadium once again for what promises to be the pinnacle of a hugely entertaining season with world-class action and unmissable entertainment on and off the field. Don't miss out on the last tickets this week before the remaining tickets get snapped up by the fans of the two finalists. Go to premiershiprugby.com forward slash final to get yours now. Lads, you played an impressive eight premiership finals between you. Got any memories that stand out? Guilty. Did you
3: play in five, Andrew? I certainly did, James. Why are you nodding? Oh, look, why are you nodding like, yeah, I think I did, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm trying to remember them. I'm trying to remember them. I think it was 01, 05, 06, 07, 08.
3: How weird that we played in that 06 game together.
0: I saw your try on TV the other day.
3: How good? How big was I? <laughs> oh, you mate, you were an absolute water buffalo. I had <laughs> curtains. My hair was like, I had literally curtains, an undercut, 135 kgs, one shit tat, and I pick and gooed. I pick and gooed at 50 to one. How far out? I mean, it could have been 10, 15 meters, but f- looking at the footage, it was closer. It was about 10 centimeters, pick and through the middle of the rock. Hey, that was my speciality. Julian White, the two Buffaloes, and I was at 50 to one to score a try of that game, and all I'm saying is the Colskins had a hell of a night. Not me, because we lost. <laughs> Who would have thought that 2006 we played that game, and look at us now. We both look significantly different. One yeah. better than the other yeah. in terms of aging. But have you started a Prem final, Jim? No, because it's all about the squad, and it's all about
1: <laughs> the finishing again. Between three men game.
0: Yeah. My favourite I've got two great memories from Premiership Finals. One of them involves just myself and one of them involves Jim Hamilton. Firstly, as a player, I scored a try against Gloucester in the final. I basically ran about 50, 60 metres, but a lot of it was across the field. And then I skinned about three players and dived over in the corner. That was my favourite memory. I couldn't believe I squeezed through a gap, to be honest, but um, probably the best try I ever scored in my career. I didn't score many. But then commentating. I was commentating on the final where Jim Hamilton comes off the bench. Oh, go on. For Saracens against Exeter, Chief, Chief, Chiefs, and gets a turnover. I'm commentating live on the game on TalkSport. Gets a turnover it basically won on the game. to were pressing. Oh, I
3: don't know about that. You might be right, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah.
0: Big Jim goes in for the jackal. He's over the ball. He's, his tits are on the floor and so are his elbows and hands and his forehead. But he won the penalty and that basically won Saracens the game, didn't it, Jim?
3: On that note, right, now, because I've taught myself up so much on here, people don't know what to believe or not to believe. There was definitely a hat-trick against India, but that weren't in the prem. Turnovers, right? Jacqueline? Lads, humbly, I was fucking phenomenal over the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. Nice. And that turnover against Exeter is arguably one of my greatest moments because of the context of the game. Not only did I sack them all or mess up them all before that, I've gone over ball, and I'm going to say this, with a broken rib, and Luke Cowan-Dickey has hit me like a train, and I ain't flinched. <laughs> I ain't flinched and got the turnover. And that was one of them where... You know, like you feel like you've contributed. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I contributed to the cause. Forget the 20 games that I played in the lead up to that game. But it was Exeter. It was in the final. Wearing me white shirt. Give it one of those. Yeah, just humbly. I was good in that position. Yeah, I'm like like a taller Jack Willis, if you like. And fuck Jack Willis. Has he won a final?
1: Has he won a final in that position? No, he ain't. (laughs) I have. This is about me. Let's have a look at the URC final eight now then. Jim, what happened to Glasgow? Oh, my. Embarrassing. Scored first, and that was it.
0: I called it, didn't I? I kind of called it in a half-jokey, half-taking-the-pish-out-of-Scotland-rugby kind of way and half-serious. And Jim, your words, you said, I think it'll be a lot closer than everyone thinks. I said, I'm pretty sure that this could be a 70-pointer. And it was embarrassing, wasn't it? Like, it's a quarter-final. And to me, you know, you don't want to go too hard, but collectively, there were some players on that pitch. When you look at the review of the game and you look back at stuff, the effort just wasn't there in a knockout game. What you said earlier, Jim, around Premiership where there was a couple of dead rubbers, it wasn't a dead rubber, it was a quarter final.
3: That's the most disappointing thing out of that game is that one line you've just said there.
0: Pretty much an equal amount of caps on the field, an equal amount of internationals. You know, obviously, Leinster are the top dogs in that league from where they finished in the league, but. Jeez, Glasgow, that's embarrassing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, it is. And I knew they were going to get beat, well beat. And again, if you look at Leinster this season, especially in the URC, across the board over the last four years, pretty unplayable at times. Now, we know how the season's gone for them. We know they got beat by La Rochelle in the final. But this season, La Rochelle really is the only team that has dominated Leinster. So, I mean, properly across the board, right? So Glasgow, regardless of what team Leicester were going to put out, right, were always going to struggle. But the point that you made there with it being a quarter final, so it wasn't just another game. Glasgow was still in it, right, as in to get into getting to the semis, getting to the final, finishing eighth, they got the short straw to play Leicester, who finished top. It was always going to be tough, but at no point ever do you expect to see a quarter final and get seventy odd points put on you. Like you just don't. I do feel for them because we've both been in games before where. It's 10, 20, 30, 40. It's unwinnable, right? And then it's 50. And then you're playing against a team like Leinster, who, as we know, and we've harped on about all season, when they go, they go, And they're phenomenal. To a man, 1 to 15 in terms of attack, in terms of close to the try line. And, yeah, it's a rude awakener, not just for Glasgow, but for Scottish rugby because of Glasgow. I thought Edinburgh gave a, a much better account of themselves and put up a much better fight, which we knew they would. I think Glasgow have been good this season across the board. You know, they beat Exeter in the Champions Cup, for example. But the back end of it, they haven't. And then, like we did with Montpellier, when they got absolutely hammered against Leinster, you've got to say it how it is. And Richie Gray was lucky not to get sent off. He went charging through the rook on Jameson Gibson Park, who did dive a little bit, but he was lucky to get away with a yellow card. Ollie Smith got yellow carded for an intercept just after halftime. And you go down to 14 men twice in a game, then you're chasing your tail, but not by 74 points you ain't. So it's a rude awakening for Glasgow. And again, I personally think they've overachieved this season in terms of the budgets that they've got. And Scotland Rugby need to probably look in terms of their investment, as there is no salary cap, in what they're doing to their two teams that they've got. Because you look at South African teams in the URC now, and you look at the Irish teams, who's competing with them, really? So... It is what it is, and Glasgow needs to be better than 74 points, that's for sure.
1: Goody, you were pretty vocal on how disappointing Munster were against Ulster on Twitter, weren't you, mate?
3: They had the shits. They're, well, I have heard they had the shits, but again, quarter
0: final, you're basically vying for the second best team in Ireland spot, right? <laughs> because Leinster are that much better than everyone else. But you'd think Munster, the, the, the history and the pride of that jersey that's been shown over years in various competitions, you know, you've got players like Omani who. Live and breathe monster rugby would die for the jersey. It just wasn't there collectively, and you know they didn't come out before the game and said they, they were on their shits. It's just a you're watching it, and there was drop balls. There was you know times when you you're questioning effort of players, and that doesn't sit right for a monster fan. The history of that club and that province of, of of how they've always minimum requirement is maximum effort. It was a sad end to Van Graham's era. I know there's a lot of ex monster players and a lot of fans that are happy to see the back of him I'm watching the game and I'm thinking Graham O'Rountree the only way is up the only way is up and so he's obviously got a, a few Leinster boys going back there in terms of history Dennis Leamy is going back to be defence coach you know so, so that there's going to be a lot of passion there next season but they've been poor haven't they, this year and to not rock up in a quarterfinal against another Irish
3: province I think is pretty shocking
1: Whereas we see Munster on the slide, Ulster equally on the rise at the moment, aren't they?
3: Yeah, they are. Yeah. Finished third in the competition. We've spoken about them gradually throughout the season. I, I think they're brilliant to watch. I think what Dan McFarland, Roddy Grant, good mate of mine, amongst other in the coaching setup, have done there by recruiting Dwayne Vermeulen, who again I thought has been excellent, durable, wants to play. As soon as he turned up, he wanted to play, having just had COVID the week before. So it shows this kind of culture that they've got. They've got some homegrown lads from Northern Ireland. They've brought in, you know, lads from across Ireland who've come through the Leinster Academy. And, and they're a good team. Cohesions there. And they're blood and young talent. Goody, one of your favourite players in the centre. James Hume has been absolutely carving up. Balakoon on the wing. Obviously, Mike Lowry, when he's played this season, has been excellent. We've had him on the pod. Nick Timoney We're speaking about Dwayne Mullen Nick Timoney in the back row. Excellent every time that he plays. uh, He's a bull of a player. So what they've now got is they've got strength in depth. Majority of them Irish. And they've got the influence of guys like Dwayne Mullen in that with the experience. And yeah, like I look at this season as a whole, they finished third behind the Stormers who, who made a late charge for it. But the big thing for Ulster is the reward for beating Munster is they've got to go down to the Stormers in South African play. And this is the big thing, right, around the complexities of the URC and how it's going to unfold. Like, travelling ain't easy. Do you know what I mean? So you're not just travelling across the way. Like, you're going 12, 13 hours on a plane or a bit longer if you're going via London. I don't think Belfast flies direct to South Africa. I don't want to be horrible, but I don't think they do. But that's going to be the big thing with the travel that's going to be involved going down to Cape Town, hopefully trying to beat the Stormers, and then you've got a final, including travel, at the end of that, so... Massively impressed with Ulster this season. Love watching
1: them play. Score some fantastic tries. And, yeah, they're the ones to look out for. Jim, you mentioned the Stormers there. They lie in wait for for Ulster. What do you make of them against hashtag always Edinburgh?
3: Yeah, all right. I don't want to sound harsh, but in terms of what I've seen from Leinster and Ulster, and I'm really happy to see the Stormers obviously in the mix. We spoke about them playing against Edinburgh. I knew Edinburgh weren't going to get hammered. They've got a slightly different DNA. They've got a different look to their team, to what Glasgow have. They beat the Sharks in South Africa at the back end of the season. It was always going to be tough. And for Edinburgh, they fought right down to the very end. The turning point for Edinburgh was losing Magnus Bradbury, who, as we know, is off to Bristol's next season. And just that lack of... It's not lack of discipline. It's just in fine margins. When you're in it and you're up against a quality team like the Stormers... You can't have lapses in concentration like, like that. But I think for Edinburgh, it's been a fantastic season for them. A debut season as head coach for Mike Blair. You know, the Argentinian kind of flair that they've got with the Scottish contingent that they've got in the team. Everyone thought Stormers was going to win. Everyone thought they were. And I thought Edinburgh went right down to the wire in that game. And it's uh, it's credit to Mike Blair and the coaching staff and the players. So the Stormers play a good brand of rugby. They're powerful. Ivan Ruz, big shout out to him at number eight. I can't see them competing with Leinster, if that's in fact actually, if they can get through Ulster at home. We'll make the judgment call after. We'll have a look at the weekend. I'm commentating on Ulster and Stormers, or Stormers-Ulster, however you look at it. And only then I think we'll get a gauge on, one, knockout rugby again, semi-final, and if they've got the, the tools to compete with Leinster, who obviously, well, we saw Glasgow... They're pissed off that they didn't win Europe this year. So, uh, big shout out to Stormers. Big shout out to Edinburgh as well. We're going to see a South African. I
1: think we will. (laughs) There's going to be a South African influence in the final somewhere in the URC. You guys weren't bothered too much about Bulls, Sharks. Ended up being an alright game though.
3: Went all the way down to the 84th minute. And one of the most South African names of any human being you've ever heard? See if I can get the pronunciation right. Chris Smith dropped a goal to win the game. I said I weren't bothered in terms of, like, personally, like, either or. You know, Bull Sharks, didn't really matter who made it through. Sharks have been good this year. You look at on paper from, again, I mention it all the time, a superficial standpoint, the Sharks look like they should be so much better than they actually are at the minute. And it'll be good to see Ebenezer Beth back there and the Sharks improving. Siakalisi is obviously there. Ah, I get Chesney Colby back as well. Why not?
1: Should we leap forward and get your predictions for the semi-finals then? Go on. Leinster Bulls. Not even up for debate. Leinster by 30. It's a big one. Yeah, I'm I'm up there.
0: I, you know, the Bulls haven't travelled that well. They've got a bit of power and all that stuff, but Leinster are still raging. They put 70 on Glasgow. I'm going to go Leinster by 28.
1: Stormers Ulster.
0: Desperate for Ulster to win this one.
3: It's going to be
1: close.
0: Yeah, as much as it would be great to see a South African team in the final, I honestly think that Ulster have got too much yeah, I watched the Stormers at the weekend against Edinburgh. They're okay. It didn't set the world alight. I just, I'm a, I'm a James Hume fan. If James Hume's fit and firing, obviously Mike Lowry's out. So he, he was another man crush of mine. But yeah, James Hume, man of the match again. I'm going to go Ulster by
3: six. Yeah, I think it's going to be tight. I reckon Ulster, six to nine points. I reckon it's just going to be stuffy. But I think Ulster are the more complete team. I think the South African teams have done well. The fact that they've got two teams in the semi-final in their first year of the URC with all the disruptions is credit to them. But I think, and I kind of hope for Ulster a little bit. I I mean, the romance in me wants to see a South African team go up against Leinster in the final, but also the romantic in me wants to see Ulster. We've got a few mates in and around that squad and we know that Leinster are going to make it to the final and I reckon Ulster are going to follow them there as well.
1: Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly.
3: Yeah, plenty of good this weekend. We're going
0: to start off in France and a massive shout out to Cast and Joe Worsley. They beat po, uh, sorry Poe at the weekend away from home to finish top of the top 14. So um, yeah, Cast, a team that aren't people's favourite team over there, they finished top of the log. People talk about Racine and La Rochelle and all the big name teams, to lose. Cast, top of the log, so uh, massive shout out to them. Sticking in France, we always have to get one of my old teams in there brief What's happened? Well, they get a shout-out in the goo this week. They avoided relegation, James. Oh,
3: there we go. Always a celebration.
0: It is a party. They beat Francais away 33 points to 17 to confirm their top 14 status at the last round of the top 14 season at the weekend. So, big shout-out to them. Uh, we'll go over to Super Rugby now, Andy Rowe. Oh! Yeah, the Brombies. They beat oh. your team, the Hurricanes, didn't they?
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Hurricanes. <laughs> Gosh.
0: big shout out to the Brumbies they lost a man to a red card but still managed to get the victory they're the only Australian team in the semi-finals so um, big shout out to them Stephen Larkham's going back there to coach next year as well we'll go back to France and La Rochelle fresh from winning the Champions Cup they beat Lyon away from home in the top 14 to confirm their top 6 spot that top 6 was pretty hairy at one point Lyon were in it La Rochelle were out Claremont were looking like they were going to get in it they're not in it now Toulouse spanked Beirut, so they were in it. So it was a good finish this season in the top 14. La Rochelle backing up, winning the Champions Cup, having three days on the smash, and then going away to Lyon to confirm their top six status and getting that victory uh, was pretty important. So uh, well done to those boys. We'll go over to the Premiership now and we'll chat Max Malins. Uh, Saracens may have taken 50 uh down at Gloucester, but a massive shout out to Max Malins. He got a try for Saracens to finish top of the try scoring list in the Premiership. So a uh, big shout out to him and his
3: leggings. Is that why George McGuigan was raging? Because if he would have scored that driving line out, Fuck finishing near the bottom of the table. It's about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Jamie Blamire scored his try, is that why he's shaking his head on TV? I think so, yeah. And Max Malin Ultimate scored. Ultimate team,
0: man. Max Malin <laughs> scored at a very similar time as well. So he we heard the news that not only had Max Malin scored to overtake him, but Jamie Blumeyer's just taken the try that he would have scored as well. So we're absolutely raging. What else was good? South African teams. We mentioned them earlier, we talked about them a lot. The Bulls and the Stormers moved into the semi-finals in the URC. But more importantly, they've been added to the Heineken Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup next year. So I think that's a huge thing for both tournaments. Massively increases the level of competition there and improves the product. So uh, great to see the South African teams in the Heineken Champions Cup next year. Gloucester, back in the Premiership, will give them a mention in the Goud. Putting 50 uh, on Saracens. Embarrassing from Saracens, but A hell of an effort from Gloucester to bounce back from the defeat that Saracens gave them a few weeks ago. So uh, well done to them. They finished really strongly. Tell you what, if I tip a team to finish bottom, they listen to the podcast, they stick it on the wall in the changing room, and they overachieve and finish fifth. So uh, well done to all the Gloucester boys, especially the coaches Alex King, Don Waldock and George Skivington. Saints get a mention in the goo this week as well. Eventually dominating the Falcons. Played some sparkling ruggers at times. So Tommy Freeman with the hat-trick. Well done to him. But the good this week is going to go to one of my favourite Irish teams. I don't know which one my favourite Irish team is. It's definitely between Leinster and Ulster. But Ulster are going to get the good this week. They dominated Munster to win their quarterfinal. James Hume got man of the match. I've got an absolute man crush on him. I think he's a world of a player. So the goo this week goes to Ulster.
3: Errr. The
0: bad. few bits of bad. We're going to start off with your team, Jim. I always have to get one of my old teams in as well. We're going to put them in there. Saracens. Who takes 50, Saracens? Welcome to the world of abiding by the salary cap. Play the bin juice and you take 50 points. Bath are going to be in the bad again this week. They've had a fair few mentions this season. Uh, This time they lost 43 points to 27 at the Worcester Warriors. They finished bottom of the table. An embarrassing season. They're just glad there's no relegation because Bath, I'm not sure they'll be able to come back up. Uh, with the state of their stadium, Munster are going to get mentioned. The bad, they were absolutely woeful and abject at times. They have times. the
3: shits, Goody. I'll play with the shits. Why, well, no, most weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's curry
0: the night before. I'll probably play better with the shits. Do you remember a Friday team run at Leicester Tigers? We used to have the curry. That definitely gave me the shits on a Friday night.
3: It wasn't just Curry, it was Curry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Anyway, back to Munster. Pretty shocking. I'm questioning some of the players' desire, which is a minimum requirement for a club or a province like that. So, uh, yeah, very disappointing end to the Van Graam era. And he's off to Bath, so Bath fans must be absolutely delighted he's bringing his tactics over to Bath next season I wonder if that improves them
3: oh that's ash. that's ash, Andrew
0: I'm just repeating what Peter Stringer says anyway Ritz, get a mention in the bad this week as well already relegated from the top 14 but they took 80 points at Toulouse who takes 80 Jim
3: not even Glasgow
0: not even Glasgow
3: no surely you can't go to Glasgow having just mentioned Ritz, yeah surely well the can't. difference is I said it then Ritz
0: took 80 but they're already relegated so it didn't really matter the bad this week has to go to Glasgow Warriors James Hamilton who takes 76 points in a quarter-final? I know you play in Leinster, but you had nearly as many caps. I think it was something like 318 to 316 caps. An equal amount of international players in both starting teams. Who takes 76 points in a quarter-final, Jim?
3: Not me. Well, I think I said 74. I rounded it down earlier.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it was 76 anyway. So the bad this week, unfortunately for all Glasgow fans, has to go to you guys. The ugly, few bits of ugly. We're going to start off with our boy Razzy Erasmus. The king of social media, n- normally. Oh no, no, no! You don't retweet porn, James.
3: It's been hacked.
0: <laughs> I went looking for it, couldn't find it though. I, d- I mean, yeah, I didn't it's been it.
3: taken down. Yeah, I've not seen it. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't see it.
0: <laughs> 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 Razi has been hacked uh, you, anyway even if you've been hacked you can't be retweeting porn so that gets a mention in the ugly and then a couple of other bits of ugly Len Ikitao uh, is sent off for a high shot on Aidan Morgan in the 20th minute of the Brumbies Super Rugby Quarterfinal against Andy Rose's team the Hurricanes they went on to win anyway but uh, Ikitao not a great Advert for tackles, actually. But the ugly this week goes to Andrew Macaleo. He had a red card for a reckless no-arms shoulder to the heed of Tom Robinson in the Highlanders' quarterfinal defeat to the Blues. So, uh, yeah, pretty ugly. And that's why, Andrew Macaleo, you get the ugly this week.
1: Thanks, Goody. Let's take a look at this week's shout-outs. Start with you, Jim. Yeah, we've got a few. Like I
3: said, end of season. End of season charge. We've got a big shout-out to Adam Nunn and Ron Rutland, who are doing the cycle across the globe The Globe, Andrew, which is the world, and it's a long way. It's Tokyo to Paris to deliver the Rugby World Cup whistle (whistles) for the opening game at the Rugby World Cup 2023 while raising money for at Child Fund Rugby. So you can follow them and get involved on Instagram by going to at race2RWC. So race2RWC if you want to check them out and see what the chase like.
0: Yeah, massive shout-out to all the cyclists doing the Across the Globe Challenge. I'm going to go full Steve McLaren now because we've got a shout-out coming from the Netherlands. So, a big shout-out to Chies Hilly and everyone at Rotterdamse Studenten Rugby Club in Geneva,
3: lunch. That was very good. Very good. Very good. Let me just have a go at that. Stratartern Rugby Club. That's <laughs> a Scottish roll of the hours there. But more importantly,
0: the Rotterdamse Studenten Rugby Club in the Netherlands has won promotion from the first and the seconds. Apparently, they are all big listeners of the podcast. So well done, everyone, (laughs) lads. Stop, stop.
3: You sound sound like Sean Connery from Ireland.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
3: Ruby spot. Spotted pod, 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 pod.